Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for some scolding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Misutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Hey, welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold, Odyssey's Minnesota Vikings podcast. We're here on Thursday, August 25th. Chase Frederick joined as always by Dane Mizutani. Dane, looking forward to the final preseason game. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. Uh, as Minnesota takes on Denver on Saturday, looking forward, maybe just addressing, acknowledging its existence. Uh, this does kind of feel like the unofficial wrap, I guess, uh, to not only like the preseason, but all everything feels real, I guess, after this. Um, in my mind, like it feels like we're actually building up to September 11th to the Green Bay game. So let's take a little bit of time and look back on the camp that was um, here with with Minnesota. And I think one word to describe it, and we mentioned this in previous shows, is quiet. Um, There hasn't felt like much to discuss. There hasn't been a whole lot of happenings, rumblings. There wouldn't be a whole lot of news that's come out of Minnesota. Do you take that as a good? Do you take that as a bad? Is it somewhere in between? Because I think I see a little bit of both. Yeah, I think my gut reaction is that it's a good thing. Like you kind of want a quiet training camp. You kind of want a boring training camp. Frankly, if you're a first year head coach, Kevin O'Connell, because I think that means that there's stability in the building. Like I think oftentimes the stories that make waves during training camp are the holdout or the injury or the big trade because you don't feel good about this position or that position. And I know they went out and traded for a backup quarterback, but that's not a big trade. That's just something they had to do. So I think the fact that we're walking away from this camp, you know, I know they have a preseason game on Saturday and it's only Thursday, but saying what really happened, what did we learn ultimately is a good thing because at the end of the day, this team that we saw, on paper and at the beginning of training camp in August or late July is pretty much the same team that we're going to see in September on September 11th in the season opener against green Bay. And I think most of training camp, especially the preseason, but most of training camp, it should just be designed to knock the rust off, stay healthy. And, and the Vikings did that with a lot of, with no, pretty much no drama in between. Yeah, for a team that in recent years, particularly last year, a very banged up team, um, a team that suffered a lot of injuries 
in the past. It's very fortunate, knock on wood, because you don't want anybody to get hurt ever, uh, that they have gotten through camp so clean. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, one more game to go, but we don't expect anybody of much significance to play in that one in Denver. So the fact that there haven't been to date any of those like uh, just training camp, you know, soft tissue, whatever the case may be. Oh, a hamstring. And now we don't know if this guy's ready for week one, uh, you know, ACL stuff, whatever. Those things can happen just in a practice rep and it hasn't happened to date. That's a real positive because there have been other teams that have lost key linemen or whatever the case may be. Um, to those those types of injuries, um, obviously, Irv Smith has missed basically all of camp before just coming back this week. But that was something that we always knew wasn't going to impact um, his availability for week one. Andrew Booth Jr. It looks like he's going to be back for week one, probably. Uh, So it's been a lot of minor things um, and that's a major positive to come out of it. And like you said, the stability, there's been like zero drama. Um, There's really nothing, nothing of note. There's been nothing where it's like, Ooh, you can't wait to run back and write about it. So bad for writers. Good. I think for football teams um, to have this, but at the same time, I, I think for a team that is middling, um, that's probably a good way to describe Minnesota every year, like a middle of the pack team. Mm -hmm. The idea that it's also been quiet because like there hasn't been a whole ton of, intriguing competition in my mind um and maybe i'm wrong on this you can correct me if i am but i don't feel like there's been a lot of pushing of players at positions i don't think the risers that we've talked about are people who are making like serious contention to claim starting spots i think everyone everything has been so set in stone which is great in that the guys who are going for the ones um, the starting spots they're getting a ton of reps together like the starters should be ready to roll because there's been nobody else cutting in for number one reps because there's nobody else in contention and ingram basically taking the guard spot was about all you can all i can think of uh but i don't know if a team that isn't like a super bowl contender um or with a great resume should go through a camp without this much competition no, I'm glad you brought that up because that was pretty much the only thing I was thinking like maybe boring is bad because all around, I think we can kind of agree. Like, like we were saying, boring is, is good because dr- no drama is good, but boring to your point does mean, well, we didn't learn anything like, like what was the point of the last month? And I think there are positions on the roster that you would have liked a little bit more competition like I think center really comes to mind. Like right. even if you just signed a veteran guy, you know, I know everyone has talked about JC Treader, but there's a reason it's because Garrett Bradbury one has left so much to be desired. And two, JC Treader's a veteran in the league. Even if you bring a guy like that in and there's like a, like a, almost a center competition, a center off, like over the course of, of four weeks, like that's at least intrigue. That's at least, something to kind of push the narrative a little bit. There wasn't even that like Garrett Bradbury's main competition at center was Chris Reed and he suffered an elbow injury and hasn't snapped in two weeks, like three weeks. So a lot of the things that on the roster that maybe there are question marks about, like, I don't think you created competition necessarily this training camp, but I guess on the flip side of that equation, there there are there were position battles, and they they were just kind of won pretty early. You mentioned Ed Ingram. I think people are gonna would be pretty surprised if Jesse Davis was the right guard at this point. It there have been no like indicators. 
that it was be Jesse Davis anymore. Right. But. And he kind of took that two weeks ago. Jesse Davis got the preseason game off, but it's because he's an, an old veteran and Ed Ingram needs reps. So why wouldn't you play him in the preseason game last Saturday? Um, the only other position battle I can even think of is like Cam Bynum versus Lewis Seen for that starting safety spot next to Harrison Smith. And maybe you would have liked that competition to be a little bit more intense. Maybe you would have liked Lewis Seen to push a little bit more. But it, at the end of the day, you just learned that Cam Bynum is, is, is what he was last year, and that's a pretty steady guy next to Harrison Smith with probably a pretty low ceiling but a pretty high floor. So why not start him week one? He earned it. He earned it with his play last year. He's been really good in training camp. And the, the telltale, the telltale sign was that he started or he was not on the field. He was not active last Saturday against the 49ers. That means Cam Bynum's your starting center or safety. And Lewisine will work his way in. But those are the only, you know, even remotely intriguing position battles that existed over the last month. So I think at the end of the day, you're probably right. Like a little more competition internally probably would have made for a little less boring of a training camp. And I, I think part of that competition, you can say, well, that's because starters are cemented, you know, at so many different positions. Uh, but my issue with that is that we don't think like this team is so incredibly talented up top. Um, they've got a few of them, but it's not like this team is just flush with stars. Um, it's a lot of guys who even the ones who have had successful careers have question marks to this point um, about, you know, health, whatever the case may be. And there's just nobody to push them. And I think it's, I think that kind of says that this roster's depth is bad. Um, and I, I think you kind of see that in the preseason product, right? Like uh, the, the Vikings preseason team, and I know you don't care about wins and losses, certainly not in these things, but the, the product that they're putting on the field hasn't looked very good. Um, I don't mm -hmm. think a lot of the guys have looked very good. I think a lot of people we've been disappointed with their performances. So it certainly has a feel to me like, should the Vikings have guys go down? Um, the people stepping in, I don't know if the coaching staff's going to have hardly any confidence in these guys because, like, if Brian Asamoah, we talk about him as, like, a highlight of camp because of the way he can kind of fly around. If he has to play snaps at linebacker, the Vikings are in big trouble uh, because he does not look ready to play NFL snaps at the position. Um, so the fact that there isn't a lot of depth on a team that so looks thin but also isn't, like, great in terms of high-end talent, like, that's pretty concerning to me when we talk about this team, like, contending for the NFC North. Like, I, I do think those are maybe flaws that don't get discussed because really when we look at a team from the, the macro, the big picture, all you do look at is, okay, they've got player A, B, C, D, E, and F, um, and those are their stars. So that's a pretty good core. Um, but what they have all around it, I'm not sure is that great for Minnesota, both on the ones, the twos, all the way back. Yeah, I'm not sure it is. And we even talked about like the top end talent is not even – up to par with, with some of the top tier elite teams throughout the league, only three names on the top hundred. So if you don't have that much top ta top tier talent on your roster, you would hope you have top tier depth, but you don't really have that either. So yeah, you're almost like, well, hopefully everything goes right this year. Cause if one thing goes wrong, we're probably going to take a huge step back. And that's independent of Kirk Cousins. Obviously, right. we've said it time and time and time again. Like if Kirk Cousins goes down, it doesn't matter if it's Nick Mullins or even, you know, 
Kellen Mond, Sean Mannion. I, I'm trying to think of random names from, from free seasons past, but like, it doesn't matter who it is because you're going to lose, but your depth should be able to sustain you. If you know, your wide receiver, if, if Adam Thielen has to miss five games, six games, the KJ Osborne, I think he's pretty good after that. It's completely unknown. So there there's, there's, things throughout the team you mentioned if eric kendricks or jordan hicks goes down at linebacker like who is who is filling in it it's it's gonna have to be brian osimo because you don't have the depth if cam danzler and patrick peterson go down andrew booth jr who for all of his talent has looked a little shaky throughout the preseason and now he's injured and then you got a guy like a caleb evans like as your fourth cornerback a rookie who led the team in tackles last week against san francisco but like no one knows who a caleb evans is because you you shouldn't have to because he's not a player who should be playing right now so there's there's a lot of depth concerns across the board and yeah maybe if you created a little more competition internally brought in a few more fringe talented guys like I'm not saying you bring in superstars to compete with super, like you don't bring in any, like a receiver to compete with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen for the number one spot. Like you don't want to create the drama there, but you do. Sometimes it would benefit you to, to bring in some guys who maybe are on par with, with the, the guys you have in the room and not just settle for what's in the room already. I'm not blaming like a ton of this on the current regime because they walked into a base. I don't think that had a ton of You're talent. Right. Like the depth is a product of, poor drafts um leading up to this year Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's the last like two or three years of the spielman era were not good in terms of both talent collection um you know and and drafting like the offseason moves that didn't pan out more often than not uh the the draft picks did not pan out more often than not that leaves you with a thin roster that's not something you can fix in one offseason i don't know if they were maybe aggressive enough to do that or not but like there's always such salary cap gymnastics with this Mm -hmm. team also because of the situation they're in so it's really tough to build like this deep flush roster full of talent that's too deep and you like everybody everywhere and if somebody goes down it's not a big deal but so I'm not blaming that at all on Quasi Adolfo and his staff. It's just more, I think, a reality of the situation. And it's it's kind of another reminder of you could see the fact that this roster wasn't super talented and deep last year. And I think there still is like a lot of renewed confidence in this organization uh, because of just like a coaching and regimes change. But the personnel is still the personnel. And I think that I've been reminded of that in training camp and preseason. Uh, not so much in like the starters, but in everything behind them that this team isn't deep and it probably means they have a little ways to go. And so when we think about like the ways they can contend, it literally is like every single thing falling their way. It's a very narrow path. Yeah, no doubt. But I think at the end of the day, when, when we go back to the preseason and the training camp that just was like, you still have to feel good coming away from it. If, if you're Kevin O'Connell, because there was nothing explosive to come out of it, or there was nothing like the vibes in TCO performance center right now are good. Right. And I think like the fact that the vibes are good means like more than I think we can even contextualize in the moment because like boring doesn't always seem good. But if you look at some of the things that have happened in training camp in the past, like even six, seven years, like, Look at some of the drama that that is that has happened. Teddy Bridgewater in sixteen, his leg fell off. Like 
that that is obviously that comes to the forefront of everyone's mind. Like, yeah, right. of course, everyone remembers Teddy Bridgewater's like falling off. But like that is like the pinnacle drama that you can you can walk away from a training camp in a preseason with. And if that's not there, that's that's great. Like R.I.P. Tony Sperano, 2018, like you started your training camp with your offensive line coach dying. Like right. there right. are things that just happen in a training camp and that have really happened. It feels like, especially acutely with the Vikings, that is like it's about time we don't have something like this to kind of hang over our heads or really bring down the 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 vibe of the team before you know the season gets underway. Uh, last year is a good example too, like Kirk Cousins, COVID, Mike Zimmer. Tating yeah, for Kirk Cousins sure. because he wouldn't get vaccinated. Like literally one quarterback, all... like the third string quarterback, uh, going out there for the family night and throwing every single pass. You know, like right. It's like the the vibes were off, and the vibes right. have been off heading into the regular season a lot of times in the past six or seven years. So the vibes are fine right now. If not a little boring, the vibes are fine, and I think that in and of itself is is a good thing heading into week one here yeah i agree with you and like you want to feel good like as a coach as players as a team about yourself and what you've done um through through the preseason as you head into the regular season i think they probably feel that way i think the stability and frankly like i mentioned this a little bit but the lack of competition meant the people got all the reps with the ones. Um, I think that's pretty important as you're installing a new offense and a new defense. Um, I think in general, Minnesota probably feels pretty good about how far it's come along with this scheme, um, how much it's been able to implement because there was nothing in the way of that. Um, Kirk Cousins, obviously, when he missed with COVID, he barely missed any practice time. Like they've been very mm-hmm. much like there um, and should be as ready to play Green Bay on September 11th as they possibly could have been mm-hmm. to try to get this season off on the right foot. And that goes along with the vibes like they've had. It's been consistent um, so that there are many things working for them. The the depth stuff like that was kind of determined pre-training camp, like the roster is the roster. Right. Um, but as far as what they've had to work with, I think it probably has went as well as Kevin O'Connell ever could have drawn up in his first training camp. And I think that's kind of probably the major takeaway as as we head into this final preseason game and into the actual regular season. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Back with Inside Purple and Gold, Jace Frederick, Dame Zutani here. If you like what you're listening to, go ahead and follow, like, subscribe. Hit the little plus button on iTunes uh, to subscribe to this podcast and make sure you're getting every single episode. Dane, uh, we've had thoughts about the preseason. I'm going to let you unleash those later in the segment. At the quarterback position, indications, Dane, are that Kellen Mond might be the odd man out there? Yeah, he didn't take one rep in practice on Tuesday and the Vikings didn't practice at least not publicly yesterday. Um, but Tuesday when Nick Mullins comes in 
And Nick Mullins spent most of Tuesday's practice just watching, which makes sense. Like if you want to get meaningful reps in a practice, you cannot run a practice with a guy who has never run the offense. Even if he has been in the NFL for six years and been a backup quarterback, like if you want to get reps for everyone else on the team, you need someone who knows the offense. So Kirk Cousins took all the first team and Sean Mannion took all the second team and third team reps, all of them. Kellerman did not take one rep in, in Tuesday's practice as far as 11 on 11 goes, which is always what we're looking for is like who's ahead in the battle. They at least split those in training camp early. Kellerman didn't even get a center when they were doing snapping drills. It was Kirk Cousins snapping with Garrett Bradbury, Sean Mannion snapping with Austin Schlotman, and Nick Mullins snapping with Josh Sokol. Kellerman standing there holding it. <laughs> in his hand and just going through a drop. Like, Maybe he's just good at it. <clears throat> just so that's what everyone was it. saying. He's so good at it. Like those fumble problems that existed eight days ago, gone. They don't even need to see him under center. Gone. Like Kellen Mond is the odd man out. And it's kind of, it was kind of sad to watch. Yeah, honestly. Like yeah. we've poked fun at him and like throughout this podcast and like reporters at the facility, like we, we talk about like this stuff comes up. Like when Kellen Mon was bad throughout training camp, you're like this guy, like they can't afford to have this guy on the roster. But then when you see him slowly actually get phased out in, in person, it's so uncomfortable. Like I, yeah. it was really cringy the other day when, when we were watching practice and just kind of watching him sit there like next to, to Wes Phillips offensive coordinator and just watch Sean Mannion run through reps um, yeah, he's the odd man out. And honestly, I would not be surprised if they cut him, if they just straight up cut him and said, like, this didn't work. We're sorry. Like, if you can latch on somewhere else, great. But but it's not working out here. Maybe they maybe they try and keep him around on the practice squad. It, maybe he doesn't maybe he doesn't get claimed if he gets cut. I don't know why he would, honestly. Um, but th- like we talked about in Tuesday's episode, like. Maybe they want Sean Manning as their practice squad quarterback. So if that's the case, like the Kellen Mon experiment might be over, but I think Tuesday was an indication that it's sure close to being on its way to that way. Yeah. What was your favorite moment of the Kellen Mon era? seems like it's on its way. Um, I, I can't pick one right now. Uh, this definitely seems like the type of move that a re- new regime can come in and make that the old regime who just took him in the third round last draft um would never have had the license to do nor nor frankly the guts to do uh, after seeing their own pick that early in the draft mm-hmm. didn't pan out uh you it's not hard as a new regime to come in and cut ties and say that was not our third round pick uh we think that pick was a bust and we're okay admitting it um because that's n- no sweat off our back you know uh, so that's kind of just the way it goes for Kellen Mond. I could see them keeping him around on the roster until the last minute and just maybe he's putting out feelers and saying, Hey, this guy was a third round pick. And frankly, he was projected as a third round pick um, in that yeah, 2021 no. draft. Like him and Kyle Trask were kind of viewed in that same light, that same range. So maybe there was another team out there who would have taken him later in the third or the fourth, um, who still has some intrigue in him and his potential upside, so to speak, that would throw you a sixth or a seventh um, to recoup something. Yeah. Yeah, to that point, like it does feel maybe a little significant. That's probably a little bit too big of a word, but like that Kevin O'Connell continues to say, like, yeah, Kellen's doing a great job. Kellen's doing yeah. this, that. 
Because if you want to trade a guy, you're not going to be like, yeah, Kellen has left a lot to be desired throughout this training camp. He actually, we don't know if he can play the quarterback position at a high level. Like Kevin O'Connell's gone out of his way to say like, you know, Kellen's still learning. Kellen's doing a great job. And maybe part of that is not to break his confidence. Maybe that part of that is not to to tank his trade value either. What up? Did anything that Nick Mullins said Tuesday knock your socks off? No, he's he's super boring too. So he'll fit right in with the, with the quarterbacks room that exists right now. Him and Kirk Cousins actually seem kind of like carbon copies of each other as far as like personality, and they even sound a little bit alike, which is weird. So I I, I don't know. Like it, it was um yeah definitely like in line with the rest of the training camp. Just like whatever when he was talking which is fine. Like we're probably never going to talk to him again. Like there's, there's a good chance that like we go through the rest of the season and us as a podcast and the media contingency in Egan, there's a good chance that Nick Mullins does not come up after this, this moment in time, I guess after Saturday when he probably plays in the preseason game, but that's about it. So he's a little boring. Didn't learn anything from him. Um, Our guy, Chris Thomason pressed him on, like the exact times of like, when did you get on the plane? When did you get in the hotel? When did you get to the facility? And like, even that he didn't like Nick Mullins didn't play ball. He was like, I don't, I don't know. Like late early this morning, like you could even have fun with that. And he didn't. So not it a is what it is. guy. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Maybe a little concerning. <laughs> doesn't have like a Sean McVay memory if he doesn't know what time he got on the plane. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like like you said, like if, if if you're the starting quarterback's personality is boring, well, then that kind of, you know, that makes the team a little bit more boring um, just because what you're getting on the field and the press conferences and whatever, it matters. If Nick Mullins is boring and he gets along better with Kirk Cousins because of it, uh, great for Minnesota. I, it doesn't matter. Back with Inside Purple and Gold, Jace Frederick, Dane Mizutani here, Odyssey's new Vikings podcast. Uh, please follow, like, subscribe to the pod. You'll catch all the ep- episodes, all the action as we move slowly through the preseason here and and then kind of hit overdrive as we head into the regular season prep next week. Dane, this is it. This is this is the final like preseason game. This is the end of your nightmare. Uh, that is NFL preseason football. You wrote a column on how much the NFL preseason stinks. I want to let you air out some of your grievances here as well. Maybe just kind of let it all out. Um, I'll add my thoughts as well, and then we can just move on, and we can pretend that the preseason didn't exist after this weekend. But go ahead. The floor is yours. Um, Why do you despise exhibition football so much? The preseason is stupid. It's dumb. It's maybe – my least favorite thing that exists in all of professional sports, the preseason of the NFL specifically. And it's, it's like, it's not twofold. It's like tenfold. Like there are so many things I dislike about this exhibition football slate, but I think most of it, if not all of it is it starts and stops with like the hot takes that get created because of it. Like remember two weeks ago and people thought they should trade Alexander Madison because Ty Chandler rushed like, the ball well five times like that is preseason in a nutshell and that is why it's stupid like that the fact that we are so like online now that anytime something happens that is remotely interesting in a preseason game which by nature is not interesting at all 
like anytime anything happens, we have to create a like, what does this mean now? Oh my God. Like Myron Mitchell caught six passes during this preseason game for the Vikings. Like is Adam Thielen's job on the line? Like, no, none of it matters at all. And, and more than that, like the fact that teams have started to not play their starters, not play important players is proof that I think NFL coaches, NFL front offices understand that none of this matters at all. And if you are a fan of a football team who has a a regime smart enough not to play their their starters, you should feel good about that because the only good thing that can happen is that they come away healthy. The bad thing that they can happen is that they get hurt in this meaningless football game playing against a bunch of guys who probably won't be in the NFL in five years anyway. So my rant is over. It's I could go on and on and on and on, but we won't bore the listeners with that. Everyone, I hope you're on the same page as me. Like, let's get Saturday's game over with. No one even cares about that game. The starters will not play. I'm not even sure some of the backups will play in that game because you want to get to September 11th as soon as possible. And the fact that the preseason is coming to an end means the regular season is coming soon, which is great for me, for you, for everyone. I'm glad you brought up the idea of starters not playing because that wasn't always the case. Um, Preseason football used to be actually kind of worth watching in that you get a lot of starters on starters for in game one, it might've been like two or three drives in game two. It was like a quarter and a half in game three. It was sometimes into the third quarter. And then in the fourth game um, back when there were four games for everyone, that's when none of the starters would play. And some teams still would play their starters like a series. Um, it it's gone away from that. And back then, then it was worth watching just as a fan of football growing up. Um, Hey, you know, if I get to go on game three, I was really excited for game three, watch my favorite team starters play a half of football. Awesome. I want to see how they look. And you would actually gauge real strong opinions off that. Uh, You know, how did they look against this team for two quarters? That's going to be a good base for what they're going to look like this year. Um, So there were probably like, that was probably the world of even more overreactions. Uh, I can't imagine what people would be saying about that now. Uh, the fact that we don't see any starters for a good bulk of teams. I mostly always just feel bad for the fans, not necessarily the ones watching at home on TV. You're kind of making that choice. Uh, the people who are in attendance, um, you know, like it, it's, it's one way I guess to like get your kid in the door um, for probably a cheaper price to watch an NFL game, but it's just not a good product. Like they're not seeing any of their favorite players. Like I, it's 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 such a watered down thing like i just i don't see too much of the intrigue of it it's like okay the chiefs and i agree with you i if i was an nfl head coach i would not play my starters at all either but like the chiefs will go out there and patrick mahomes will play two series throws two touchdown passes that would make it worth it i think as like a young fan to okay i watched patrick mahomes i watched him go do his thing for you know, a quarter. And that, that was fun. Uh, Minnesota, you watched Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion this preseason uh, and the offense not move the ball and not recognize like anybody on the field. So that I think like it, it just looks like such a money grab uh, for the NFL, even more so than ever before that you can still pay for parking, pay for high concessions, pay for high ticket prices all to watch this terrible product that really like, I don't think NFL teams value it very much. I wonder how many decisions are actually being made based off of what the preseason game looks like versus when they watch these guys go rep after rep, after rep, after rep every single day in training camp. I would have to think that most of the decisions are kind of made. Like most of the opinions are had and they're not like, 
I guess Tommy did make a pick there. Uh, maybe he's better than we thought. I just don't think that exists. I don't think teams value it at all. I really think it's become just a box you have to check for the NFL's sake uh, to make sure the bottom line looks good. And that's kind of a shame. And at the, this point, like, let's dump it down to two. Uh, but I know they're not going to do that. They let's only dump it down to zero. Right. I mean, I'm just <laughs> going off of like the NFL checkbook. I know they only dumped one game off because they added a regular mm-hmm. season game. Um, they're certainly not going to dump it down to two with no uh, way to make up, recoup those funds anywhere else. But it really has become kind of a sham. Um, and that's too bad. Um, not to say that there should have been a... a legitimate thing before but it was it was um and teams almost wisened up which like quote unquote wrecked it but good for the teams bad for the fans um it's it's the whole idea of preseason is silly um but we see it in every single sport uh, but football one where they only play so many games to start with in a sport with 82 games sure preseason makes sense in a sport with 18 where you're already worried about everybody getting hurt why are we doing it again and again uh, uh, I love that this has turned into Dane's rant. Jace's rant was better. <laughs> Jace was didn't even know he had a rant. No. He didn't even know he had a rant in him. He just no, got himself going. You could, and all of a sudden, yeah. one thing everyone will learn tracks. is, yeah, Jace can Jace can talk, and when you get Jace going, he can talk, and he had something to say. So, bravo to your rant, Jace. Better than mine. One thing to note, like, yeah, starters used to play Brett Favre when he was like fifty years old back in twenty ten. Through 27 passes in the preseason. Like, yeah, I, they used seriously. to play all the time. So Donovan I, McNabb played in the preseason. Like, that's crazy. You'll see why, Dana, and I looked these things up here in like two or three minutes, but we were looking up previous quarterback stats from preseason, and oh my gosh, these guys played a ton. I mean, like, when I say they went into the third quarter, like, yeah, they went into the third quarter, and, and they were playing in almost every single game. Like, they were getting more than a game's worth of snaps in the preseason, which is absurd i mean like brett Favre. Brett Favre. How, he's coming off brett a broken Favre. like dead foot leg because yeah. because of the, of the yeah. bounty game like and in they were like playing the preseason brett like what no i mean everyone should have been doing the brett Favre. actually i think i'm retired um until the last minute everyone should have been doing that it's the tom brady uh, i'm gonna go be on the mask singer like i'm not gonna participate in training camp preseason that's for sure like crazy that, that that this was even even it's crazy that it was a thing for so long but e- like even back then you would think like some of these veterans got got to graduate from preseason but they didn't they didn't not really no i mean i even like adrian peterson they would just milk him down uh to the point where we'd be like okay he's gonna get three carries and then he would inevitably house one of those three and then it would be like okay he's done uh we've seen oh, he's enough. ready for the he's ready for the regular season now like yeah right i mean players would campaign for touches too sometimes and it was i think because like the rest of your team is playing i know that was like jared goff did that with detroit this year like oh okay all the offensive line is playing well then i'm playing i want to be out there with my guys that's silly logic, and the coaches have to nip that in the bud. But um, I think that was the case a lot of times. Like, if we're going to play most of the starters, then I'm playing too. Uh, and it led to, uh, frankly, fewer injuries than I would have guessed, um, just given <laughs> yeah. you know what, what could have happened. All right, let's do one ode to the preseason before we bury it um, with Minnesota's <laughs> final game Saturday. <laughs> We were looking up stats of previous preseasons because we wanted to pick out our favorite random quarterbacks. Maybe not even random, but just kind of like the QB heroes uh, that have come through Vikings years of old um, in the past. 
Dane, you had first pick. You, we each picked two. You picked first and third. I picked second and last. I just want that known because my fourth one kind of stinks, but all the good ones are taken. Uh, but go ahead and lead us off. My first pick in our preseason All-Stars draft, Joe Webb. And I think so. anyone who knows me probably would have thought I would have gone somewhere different. And, and yeah. you could probably, that kind of teases who Jace went with second. But like Joe Webb, I think you forget about how great of a preseason player he was. Electric. He was amazing. Electric. He was amazing. I looked up his stats. In 2010, when he was drafted, sixth round pick, 190 passing yards, three touchdowns, 126 rushing yards. 126 11. rushing yards from a quarterback yeah. in the preseason. 2000, 2011, 213 passing yards, no touchdowns, 102 rushing yards. Led the team in rushing again. 2012, 199 passing yards, 95 rushing yards. I think he was edged by Matt Asiata, or he would have led the team in, in rushing yards again in, in 2012. And this is three preseasons in. And, this, Jace, this is why I drafted him first overall. 2013, not even a quarterback anymore. No. Led the team with 10 receptions and 65 receiving yards. The dude was a freaking preseason all-star. And you know what? I think if more play people like Joe Webb existed, I would actually love the preseason. If we just got to watch a bunch of Joe Webbs run around out there, I would think the preseason is great entertainment, but we don't. Joe Webb is someone we should never forget as Vikings fans. Like he was a quarterback for three years. And then they were like, ah, I don't know, just do something else here. Go be a receiver. And he was like, all right, I'm just going to lead the team and catch us this preseason. Dane, the guy like had started regular season games for Minnesota. <laughs> and then he bombed the playoff game so badly that on the spot, <laughs> his final like reps at quarterback were in an NFL playoff game. <laughs> like it's, and I don't blame him. Nobody should blame him. The Vikings were in the stupidest play, like the scheme ever, like not running read option every single play. Um, they did that in the first drive and scored and then just totally went away from it. It was it was a disastrous coaching performance. But Joe Webb, like the Vikings have never had that dual threat quarterback in recent years. That is so much fun to watch. Like it's just been kind of statue, statue, statue. Teddy had mobility, but like was a pocket passer, mm -hmm. just a bunch of pocket passers. So like Joe Webb gave everybody that taste of what it is like to watch a quarterback where literally anything could happen on any play, good or bad. And it was awesome. So the preseason was a great chance to show it. And then we got to see it in like Philadelphia on a Tuesday night in a nationally televised game. We got to see What's it on like a Monday night game where Brett Favre had a concussion in TCF fake stadiums, Frost Field. Uh, we saw a lot of different weird stages where Joe Webb was suddenly on the national spotlight, but preseason he was an all-star for sure. I'm going with the one that every Vikings fan probably thought of when we brought up this topic. Uh, Kyle Sloter. Bang. Will forever live uh, in Vikings lore as the guy that the team was often down uh, in the third or fourth quarters of games, Kyle Slaughter would come in and inevitably lead touchdown drives, to put the team in front and win the game. I mean, here are his numbers again. Like I know everybody knows they were good, but in 2018, 41 for 56, 366 yards and four touchdowns, like an incredible game. That was mm -hmm. his preseason numbers that year. 2019, 39 for 51, 443 yards and four touchdowns. We touched on it. Like the fact that somebody like that can literally shred these second or third team defenses, basically like they weren't there. Like there was air. Um, it seemed like everybody he was hitting was three yards open. 
and, and just just marching down the field um, as if it was like a high, good high school team versus a bad high school team. Um, it it makes you think every quarterback should do that. Uh, you watch him then play like in the USFL, and it's not that clean, <laughs> not even close to no. it. Uh, but that guy, when when the NFL preseason lights came on, no matter how awful he looked in practice the week prior, uh, something clicked, and he was able to make all the easy throws and move the team down the field and look like the greatest quarterback who'd ever touched a football. Um, Kyle Slaughter, obviously, it's been too recent to forget you now, but I don't think we'll ever forget you. That was my favorite thing about Kyle Slaughter is that like we all know Mike Zimmer did not like Kirk Cousins by the end of his regime, but he never liked Kyle Slaughter because he like, as it turns out, was not a very good quarterback, like all obviously looked bad in practice. But when the lights came on, dude lit it up in the preseason and that just had to grind Mike Zimmer's gears like to no end. The fact that the guy that he sees stink when they go out there and play against other third stringers and fourth stringers, and they're basically just playing backyard football, tears it up so much that people are calling for him to be the backup, to be the star. I, I mean, there were some people who were crazy, like maybe he should start. Like, look how good he is in the fourth quarter. Like, that had to just bug Mike Zimmer, but it 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 always gave me a chuckle that like as bad as this guy is, as much as you want him to fail, he will not fail. He like. Reporters had to ask about Slaughter after these performances because, like, it's all fans are talking about. The quotes from Zimmer were always like, "Eh, <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. care." I, basically, like, I didn't watch. You know, like, I, I closed my eyes for those two quarters, but it was it was amazing. Mike, he just threw for six hundred yards and six touchdowns. What do you think? Nah, no, no. We'll, we'll, no. we'll have to go back at the tape and look at yeah. it. He did so. some good things. I don't know. Thought to improve. Some on. good, some bad. Uh, my, my third pick or my second pick in, in the the third pick in the draft with Taylor Heineke, um, a guy who's still floating around in the NFL started games for Washington last year. One of the better backups. Honestly, if the Vikings could have him as their backup, they'd feel really, really good. Right. Um, came into, came into the league in, in 2015 undrafted. All he did was throw for 512 yards in the preseason, two touchdowns, make the team basically use the preseason to make the team. He spent all of 2015 as the third string quarterback back when I think, Similar to how teams used to play their their starters in, in the preseason, teams almost always kept three quarterbacks up until recently. It's only recently gone down to two quarterbacks, I feel like. Taylor Heineke in, in 2015 was the third-string quarterback the whole year. They just kept him on the roster. And the thing about Taylor Heineke that stands out more than his 512 yards in the 2015 preseason is that dude should have been the backup quarterback in the 2016 season. And he maybe even was going to be the starter that season because that was the season that Teddy blew his knee out, right? Taylor Heineke was so good in the preseason, turned so many heads over the course of, you know, the reps that he got to see in practice as that third stringer that year in in 2015 and went into minicamp in 2016 as like, this is your job, dude. Then... He locked himself out of his house sometime in between friend's tra- house. Sometime in between mini camp and training camp. And in order to get back into the house, he kicked a window and like just severed a bunch of tendons in his foot. And like, I don't think he played for like two years after that. Um, so that even, even more than that, like the fact that he was able to like carve out a career, like awesome because he literally kicked glass and, and there are theories about like what actually happened, but like yeah, I'm gonna sure. go with the I'm gonna go with that he actually locked himself the out of the report. house. 
yeah, and, and kicked the glass and just bloodied his foot and was like, well, I guess I'm not the backup this year. And he wasn't. He wasn't the backup, but he'll always kind of live, you know, in my head as like this guy who went up and lit it up and then just immediately tanked his chances of being a backup quarterback by doing something so silly. Uh, another reason why this year's training camp is boring. Nobody has kicked glass and severed any <laughs> tendons um, or anything like that, frankly. Nobody that we know of has had to break back into a, into a building. Uh, Heineke, like that first year, I just remembered him as like, that dude was laying it all out on the field. Like he was diving for pylons, everything. He looked like he was playing for his job in the NFL and he performed mm-hmm. like it um, and he showed out because of it. And yeah, like what could have been here? Um, because he he looked like, yeah, certainly was the backup in Washington last year, thrust into duty because Ryan Fitzpatrick got hurt in like one quarter. Uh, but, you know, he, he looks like a guy who's like in that range of like 30th to 40th best NFL quarterbacks. Um, so he's definitely carved out a nice career. And But yeah, that that is quite the transition um, to go from like, oh, backup quarterback to what did you do? Like it's it's one heck of a way to essentially end your tenure here. All right, I'm going to be honest. There were only three good names. Uh, you could go with guys like Sage Rosenfels, but way too much of a legitimate quarterback to pick um, for for these spots. But he had excellent numbers here every time when when given the opportunity uh, to play preseason snaps. I want to just note this, but Teddy Bridgewater was like dominant at preseason football. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, like the first year as a rookie was in more of a backup role, and then in his starting reps too. Like he was a really good preseason player. Uh, but not going to pick either one of those guys, obviously. Just going to throw out names that people maybe recall. McLeod Bethel-Thompson, who Ugh. in 2012 was horrendous. Um, 18 for 13 <laughs> for a touchdown and two interceptions. Turned things around in 2013. 33 for 52 and two touchdowns. Uh, MBT, uh, just one of those names that you kind of remember fondly, and then you look back at what he did, and you're like, that was it? Um, yeah, that, <laughs> that was what he That was him. Um now he's a quarterback for the Toronto Argonauts. So he's still playing in the CFL, albeit. But uh, yeah, a heck of a run from a Cloud Bethel Thompson here in Minnesota. I'm really sorry that you you, you got stuck with McLeod Bethel. I was Thompson. looking so hard for a better name. I really was. And I didn't think anything between like between journeyman and legitimate quarterbacks. There was no in between there. Like there was McLeod was the best name because I at least kind of remembered his stint here. Um, yeah. He he was an all star simply because he had three names and you remember. Correct. Like, yes, one thousand memorable. Yep. Did you? Okay. I I was doing the same thing. I was looking up these names because of because of this little, you know, stick we did. I think I found the most random name. Did Did you okay. find any more random names? And then I'll, I'll I'll end us on this one. I don't think you're gonna say this one, but maybe you will. Well, I didn't. So I understand the assignment of what was the most random name I saw. Uh, but I don't think so. Um, I mostly just looked back at like the, there was the most random, but then like Mitch Leidner still doing it was still like, yeah, my, okay. that was my name. Um, because that was still he the was most driving random bite thing squad, Chase. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, driving bite squad and then gets called in to basically play for the majority of a preseason game for the Vikings. I'm um, in game four. And this is somebody who, Gophers fans were entirely sick of watching play football. Um, and now he what plays a game for the Vikings. Like that was an absurd story uh, because I couldn't believe it. I don't think anybody could believe it when the news came out. Not the most random name I saw whatsoever. There were a few more random ones, but that one I just thought had to be noted. But go ahead. Yeah, Mitch Leidner, before I go to mine, like he he wasn't even that good of a college quarterback. No, so the fact that no, the team was no, like no. 
and he actually got all, most of his reps in that fourth preseason game, if not yeah. all of his reps. I think that's when he got like, signed, which is before the fourth game. Which is like proof positive that you did not need that fourth preseason game. But like, yeah. dude was 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 driving bite squad, and and then all of a sudden he was playing against, I think, the Miami Dolphins in, in the fourth preseason game at U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, my most random out there name, 2018, the Vikings – Signed a guy named Peter Pujols. Yeah, I knew you were going this one. P- I don't from, know. Pujols, Pujols. Pujols? Pujols? Like, I'm glad you didn't say him because I did a little research on Peter Pujols. He went to Holy Cross. I think he played a little bit of, of football after that. Um, but he has a LinkedIn. And Peter Pujols is now an account executive in Boston, Massachusetts, working for some sort of uh, healthcare firm. So... He actually has NFL football player on his LinkedIn um, from 2018 in April to January 2020. He played for the Minnesota Vikings. He also has that he played for the Atlanta Legends of the AAF. And then he, he was in a rookie minicamp with Alliance the of American Chicago football. Bears. Yep. The AAF. Um, Peter Pujols now uh, just working a regular job like everyone else. Um he is by far the most random name the Vikings have ever tried it out on the field. He went one for one. He's 100% completion percentage. So good on you. Nobody can ever take that from you. All right. A uh, little fun note just to end preseason on. We will talk a little bit about uh, Saturday's game if there's any notes from it as we move forward. But frankly, we're going to move forward more with like previewing the regular season from here. Uh, Things we like, uh, big picture things, looking at the offense, looking at the defense, looking at what the expectation should be for this year, what the expectation should be for Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, all that stuff that actually matters. Um, we're looking forward to getting into starting Sunday, frankly. Um, we will touch a little bit on, like I said, the preseason game, what we think of Nick Mullins and his limited action. But it's going to be largely here like what I said on September 11th, both for the Vikings and for this podcast. So come back in, tune in, subscribe. Uh, Inside Purple and Gold will have everything you need to know about this season, about that game, game one, as we move into it. Uh, but enjoy the final preseason game if you tune in. Uh, we'll certainly watch as well. Uh, for Dane Mizutani, I'm Jace Frederick. This has been Inside Purple and Gold. Thanks so much. Goodbye. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 